Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. you are now listening to the P13 Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the P13 Podcast. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we are here to bring you another informational episode once yes. again. Every Tuesday, we got to say thank you f- to ev- all our listeners. Thank you for keeping this going, keeping the listens up. If you haven't yet, pass it on to some of your friends. Maybe they're working through some things. We're here to help you out, let you know about some things that we've been working on, and hopefully inspire you all to continue to work and get better as well and give you some information and avoid the bullshit on the way, right? That's 100% correct. There's a lot of bullshit out there, folks. Absolutely. Avoid it. Uh, I am Michael, your host on this journey, as well as the smooth, grooving, <laughs> hair-tied-wearing, Ooh. cowboy boot-strapping. Don't own a pair of cowboy boots. Ah, oh, come on. You can tell you it later. Uh, yeah. People say cowboy boots are really comfortable. I don't buy it. I don't know. Do but you have a pair of cowboy boots? I have Canadian cowboy boots. I do not have a pair of true cowboy boots, but I do have some high heeled toed boots that look kind of like cowboy boots. Are those the Chelsea's? Pretty close. Yes. Got it. Um, but those sounds are the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Yes. Yeah. They're I'll interesting boots. They are styled after western they're western influence styled mm. or western influenced boot inspired yes also check out cal's instagram i appreciate that got a little lookbook little lookbook going it's impressive to be honest i have to use everything i learned in here to create the effects that i want to put mm. into the lookbook yeah in terms of we're also considering doing a cala makeover thomas uh episode episode or, excuse me, skit. We got some skits that we need to shoot that we've been wanting to do for a while. We do. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. We'll let you know when we do them. Absolutely. But today, we're talking about mental health or mindset. I mean, you can kind of, they're not entirely, entirely interchangeable, but we're talking about a few things here. Uh, we know it's a delicate subject. In exercise, it's not always given its fair shake, in my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that on your end. I completely agree. Um, we have talked about other aspects on this podcast, such as goal setting, training environment. Uh, we even did a little mindset uh, piece on there too. All are valuable pieces to the overall mental health. But today, today, we are taking a little deeper dive into the personal mental game, which we all battle with on a daily basis. Do I still have your attention? I you got, have my I got, attention. I, I got the nod. Let's set the mood a bit here. So think of a time when you may have felt depressed or had situations pop up in your day that may have changed your mood or made you anxious. These are more so the mental situations that we're, we are wanting to expand on today and in this episode. And also talk about how, how movement or exercise uh, can play a role in getting you through those tough times. Yes, and this is, I'll preface this conversation because I've become 
more passionate about this topic recently. And a lot of it has to do with what we've experienced recently uh, as a society. And also, um, I'll preface this by saying Michael and I are probably biased as it relates to the impact that what we do has on people's mental health. But at the same time, a lot of what we'll talk about today is based on our observation. Mm-hmm. And I'll explain to you, you know, how many, if you want to call them data points, we have. Yeah. Just to provide you with const- context of how much exposure we have to this specific topic. And how we get to our opinions on this. Yes. Um, so the primary reason why this subject came up. I mean, it's something honestly that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, I say recently, I mean, you know, probably six, eight months because of us going from, you know, COVID happened, we went into the virtual workouts and then, uh, we came out of the virtual workouts and did in-person workouts with masks, then like eventually got rid of the masks and all that stuff. And, And that's also, too, with our previous experience of working with people in person in large groups. Um, So we really got to see the impact of these experiences on um, the people that we worked with and how they responded to these experiences and how they're still responding to these experiences, to be honest. Um, You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in the world, too, that that I think also plays a part in how people are dealing with this. So... I'd been thinking about it a lot. I had been formulating ideas and thoughts around some of what we were seeing in the gym in terms of like social behavior and also mental, mental health as well. But then recently my father, what's up dad, uh, sent me an article, (laughs) sent me an article, which he often does. Like, I really appreciate how he does this. He, you know, he's a very, uh, well-educated individual. Yeah, he's a very well-educated individual. He has a uh, really good life perspective. And so he keeps up with current events, I would say, partially due to what he used to do for work. And and so he sent me an article, and uh, it was talking about the death of gyms. And I believe the exact title was, I have it somewhere here, it was something along the lines of, are gyms going the way of arcades and maybe movie theaters, Oh, I think. Initially, that headline is very it's grabby. Absolutely. It's a very grabby headline. So I obviously read the article, and a lot of it talked about, and it cited some quotes from certain individuals talking about how digital the digital at-home workout experience is inevitably the way of the future. And the way that they talked about it was, I mean, factual, that it's just, that is just the way it is. And they almost kind of talked about it like, why wouldn't it be? Everything else is going that way. And that really grinds my gears. Understood. To put I, it to put it one way. I was going to say, I got caught up on that a little bit too. And then we talked about it. Yeah, and, we talked and, about it. And that's what kind of led to this episode. Um, the, the idea of doing this episode, because again, before that article, you and I had already talked about certain instances that we observed, you know, changes in mental health and people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so we feel it's very important to explain what we observe. And also, I I just think it's important that people have an understanding 
of what that really will look like, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that at, at initial thought, we think, cool. It's easy to just it's, say. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. It makes my life easier, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I can just see on the computer five times a week. Yeah. Okay. You know, like the, either that or doing a mirror, like the mirror workout or the, t- or tonal or Peloton. And, you know, people are like, it's easy. It's, it fits more into my day, which also, cause you're working at home, mm-hmm. like, you know, and I, I just think that people in my experience, most people do not have a lot of uh, foresight and not just in terms of like this, but just generally. And so, I just really encourage people to really think about what does that then make your life look like, Yeah. right? So that's what we're going to really kind of dive into today. So as I mentioned, I'm extremely passionate about this. And again, to provide you with context of our, our what I would say, understanding and expertise around working with people and I guess understanding human behavior really is what it is because that's what Michael and I do every day. Like to be a good coach, um, you know, and I think Michael and I both agree about this to be a good coach. You have to have a very strong ability to read people. Yep. Like that is the name of the game. I don't care if it's someone that it's their first time. I don't care if it's someone that's been a member for three years. Every time they come into the gym, they're coming into the gym, potentially in a different state. And it's our job to read that state and read how they're doing so that we can provide them with the coaching that they need on that given day, right? Which may differ from, you know, week to week, week day to, to week, day. day to day, yeah. right? So, so that's like why we have essentially gathered this observational data over time just in our minds. It's not like we're using you all as data points. It's just like you come in and we see what happens and, um, we can get, and and, and yeah. And because we read people so well, like we internalize that and we're like, Oh wow, this person was like this today. I'm going to, I'm going to think about that the next time that I interact with them and maybe potentially change slightly how I interact to cater more to their needs. Yeah. Um, so to give you perspective on what that looks like, Michael and I, each coach about three classes per day. Uh, that's roughly 15 to 17 classes per week, 60 per month, roughly, and about 700 per year. And that's each. So we both each coach that many classes. Uh, additional perspective, we average around 700 visits per month. Many of those are recurring members or customers um, that return frequently, uh, but that means we have about 8,400 interactions per year. That number is between the two of us, That's I believe. That's a lot. So even as I was like developing those numbers, I was like, wow. holy shit. <laughs> That's like a pretty big impact. And again, those some of those are repeating customers, which is why it's, I said that leads to that many interactions per year. A lot of some of those are the same... Some of those are interactions with the same people. But again, you do not have, there is not one interaction that you have with a single person that is repeated, right? Every single one is different. Mm -hmm. So even my interaction with Michael, every time we come in here to podcast is different than the previous one and it's different than the future one. Yep. Right. So that's, those are just some things that we need to understand. I also wanted to provide those numbers just to 
help people understand that we know people, right? We know how people interact, how people socialize. We know how to read personality types. We know how to read. I mean, I can read if a person is depressed. Mm -hmm. Um, I can read if a person is anxious. We've just, it's like any other thing. It's a skill, right? So, and you can match people with that as well. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. But so you develop that over time. And so Cal and I have just had a lot of time interacting with people. And so we just can read people that much better, even more. And I would say we both naturally kind of had it as a skill coming into coaching. Um, so like I said earlier, we may have some bias towards this topic because of that as well. Yeah. Because what we do as a business is provide in-person training services. So obviously for us, we want in-person gyms to continue to remain viable and continue to remain in demand. Yep. So there's no question that there's there's bias. There's some benefits to it right. as well. We benefit from people coming in. What I will say though is that bias has, I would say, even become more strong over the years because of the impact that I see it see what we do make on people. Absolutely. You know, when I first got into coaching, I thought this is a great way to help people, like for sure. Um, you know, which is why I decided to pursue it. But then after having the experiences that I have had with people, that has only been more validated as each day passes. And And I was going to say, and even this experience with the pandemic even makes it that much more impactful. And yes, it drives us, drives both of us to continue doing this Yes, because of what we've seen on here. Yeah. So when we first returned back to in-person, there was certainly as we were making that transition, there was certainly some question marks around, um, you know, feedback that we were going to get from people after they had experienced the virtual training. Yeah. But all the feedback was overwhelming that people were like, I really miss this. Yeah. Really badly. So again, just wanted to preface this conversation with that information just to let you know where we're coming from yeah so we all have an understanding of where we are we're at i mentioned the article that my dad sent me and early especially early on in covid or in the in quarantine and stuff i heard from many people that virtual training is the way of the future even so much so that at the beginning of covid we were definitely solicited by a number of businesses that were trying to ride that trend of virtual fitness and get us to sign onto their new platforms. So there's a number of new platforms that have been created since COVID that deliver virtual workout experiences. Those basically, there's been a period of early potentials. And mm-hmm. now I would say that some of those have died out and then some of those have remained because their strategy was just, uh, was good yeah and they've become very viable businesses and i think they'll be here to remain yeah you know and good for them for, uh, as good well for them. too yeah like, um um but i there are plenty that like you know i heard about early on and recently i haven't really heard much of anything because mm-hmm. i think that again that trend was relatively short-lived and the the companies that were going to capture the market did so right? and they're still around and they're doing well and they will do well But then there's some of those smaller players that just kind of fizzled out because it just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Because I think as COVID and quarantine persisted, people did want to go back to in-person workouts. And 
the timing of which people were able to vary depending on where you're located in the United States and in the world. Yeah. Um, you know, so some people were able to get back to it sooner rather than later. And I think those place, places like they've kind of gotten back to normal and like people are going back into the gym and they're wanting that experience of going somewhere to do their training. Yeah. Normal is the big word there as well too. It's like getting back to some sort of normalcy. Yes. Normalcy. 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 Yeah. So then ultimately with all that being said, I think one of the main reasons that people have returned to in-person training is knowingly or unknowingly, there's an understanding of the impact on their mental health. I'll say that again. I think that one of the main reasons that people have returned to in-person training is that knowingly or unknowingly, there's an understanding of the impact on their mental health. Strong statement. Yes. Very strong. Yes. Unknowingly strong. Yes. I think that people have started, had started to realize that the more that they were isolated, the more that they started to do everything, everything from their house, the more that they yearned for something, well, a couple things. One, a human interaction experience. Yep. And additionally, uh, removing themselves from their home. Going back to our training environment, like separation. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we did that episode is because we were starting to open back up and we saw that people were so excited to come back into the gym. Yeah. Right. And, and so that's why we did that training environment environment episode, because as that also happened, people said to us, I train so much harder when I'm here. I get so much more out of the experience when I'm here Yeah. as opposed to doing a virtual workout at home. I get to be away from home. I'm not on house arrest is essentially. Right. What I mean, that's like. what it's like. That's kind of what it's like. Cause you're working from home. You're doing everything from home. I mean, it's just, and here in San Francisco, in San Francisco specifically, it's hard to set up a viable home gym if you're trying to. I mean, to, it's nearly impossible. I yeah. Would say. Unless you, you have, can't, you can't really set up a, legit office yeah unless you're in a big place which is rare yeah even even our place is 1200 square feet i my office is in the corner of the living room so i'm doing work and holger comes bumbling and stumbling over climbs up my chair because he wants to bang on my keyboard (laughs) can't get anything done with that kid love him though so that last statement ended with mental health so let's dive into a little bit of mental health and a little bit of data. Statistic time. Statistic time. So let's consider some data from 2020 regarding mental health, which keep in mind is when the great virtual experiment took place, Mm. right? So that's when, as Eric Winter said on an earlier episode, check out that episode if you haven't already. It's about connecting people. He said that, and I agree with him, this was like the great experiment of what is it going to be like to go fully remote? I pulled some data from MHA National, which is Mental Health Association or Mental Health American National. It's an organization that is a mental health resource for people. And and keep in mind, too, that this data is, I would say, preliminary. And most of this data is pulled from screenings that they do. And I'll explain. I mean, as I explain some of these statistics, it'll kind of become clear how that works. The, the actual data, so like if you try to find data from 
the CDC or from National Institute of Mental Health or something like that, they don't have data yet on like the full 2020 mental health statistics. So that includes, you know, prevalence of depression, prevalence and um, what's the other word? Onset? No. no. Prevalence and there's, I thought it started with an A. Figure that out. But prevalence and basically prevalence is the number of new or the number of existing cases. And then there's number of new cases, which also has another word. Um, but so they don't have the data, the raw data for that yet. They'll, and that, that would include things like death from suicide, you know, and things like that, which plays into this conversation. Uh, so this is, I, again, I would say preliminary data. So based on, these are based on screenings that they completed, which basically people seek out when they're seeking help for mental health. They'll, they'll fill out a screening and that screening can then provide them with an understanding of like how depressed or anxious a person is. So what they saw, they saw a 93% increase year over year on anxiety screenings and a 62% increase year over year on depression screenings. So that means the number of people seeking out these screenings was 93% higher for anxiety and 62% higher for depression. Right. Staggering. I mean, it's pretty significant. Yeah. For both anxiety and depression, there were eight out of 10 individuals that took the screening that had at least moderate symptoms of anxiety and depression and or depression. I mean, that's also a lot. It's a lot. And then more people have recorded or are recording thoughts of suicide since the start of uh, MHA's screening program in 2014. So that number is increasing uh, every year. 178,000 people reported thoughts of suicide between March and September of 2020. So they did, they actually did a special COVID report as well, in which they kind of like choose a time frame and pull the data from that specific time frame. And you look at that time frame, that's like the peak of this. That's like the peak of it. Yeah. That's like when it really started and kind of persisted. Um, Youth seem to be struggling the most with mental health and rates of suicidal ideation are highest in youth as well. Uh, And then people screening at risk for mental health reported loneliness and isolation as one of the top three contributing, one of the top three reasons contributing to their mental health concerns. Not surprised. So that is a big statement as well, especially when we're talking about, you know, exactly what we're talking about of, of, uh, bringing people together and how important that is. Yeah. Um, and again, as I said, this data is preliminary organizations like NAMI, um, which is national Alliance on mental illness, I believe. And NIMH national Institute of mental health. They're about two years behind on their data processing. So it's just so much data that it takes a while. That's why when you look up statistics, like, you know, the most recent year they have is 2019, I think. And even some of that, they're still, they're still organizing. So again, wanted to provide some context because I've heard, you know, Eric, I think, uh, again, Eric Winters, our guest from Halo had mentioned that over the summer of 2020, like millennials, 25% had reported, I think it was suicidal thoughts. I thought he said, you can you can correct us in the Halo app after the pod. Ooh, there we go. Yeah, about 
whether we he said suicidal thoughts. But listen to that episode suicide. too if you haven't, because that episode and this episode I would say are pretty closely tied together. Absolutely. Um, Talking about so, training environment on there. Oh, that one's uh, the human element. Or human element. Sorry, my bad. Then we have training environment. <laughs> All three of these are tied together. So there's a lot. Give give them a listen. We've heard statistics, so I wanted to actually look up and try to find some information, and that's that's the best I could find was that preliminary data. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say and. You can look at some of these, like I'll take example, the reason like loneliness, you're in quarantine. Yeah. It's kind of out of our hands at that point because it's a mandated, it's mandated at that point Mm -hmm. when COVID hit, you're kind of getting taken away with that. Well, and even if it's not mandated, like the fact that you aren't going to work. Yeah. The fact that you aren't going into your favorite businesses. The fact that you aren't, I mean, in our experience, you aren't coming into the gym, which is a very social experience. Absolutely. I mean, no wonder people are reporting loneliness. Uh, and and again, like, I should also preface this by saying <laughs> we are not saying that, like, we should have never done, taken any of these actions for the sake of public health. But it's more so that I think that oftentimes people don't look at both sides. Yeah. Meaning let their people are just like let's make that decision because that's what's best but you get a little bit of tunnel vision and i think that's become pretty apparent in the handling of this that people have gotten tunnel vision i mean the the other statistic that came out was the number of overdose deaths in san francisco versus number of covid deaths in 2020 right and that is just that is just data right just data that's just data we're not saying that, that we shouldn't have we're not saying that we shouldn't have quarantine because right. we absolutely should have well and like the degree to which is up in the air like yeah. h- how long we should have up in the air I, I i'm not saying that we know the answers it's more so let's think about the consequences of these decisions because as we talk about with training and with nutrition and health there's a cost to everything right so there's a cost to training too much mm-hmm. there's a cost to eating shitty food right um there's a there's a cost to like eating super super clean, right? Yep. You we talked about that in the body comp episode where it's like you eat super super clean, like probably say bye-bye to your social life and drinking, right? There is a cost to everything. There's always two sides. And then it's looking at the foresight of that. The for for foresight thinking. Exactly. Like, like okay, so if I choose to pursue this, but let's use that body comp example. If I choose to pursue this, Where's my social life going to be like, where is it going to be at in six months? So, but going back to that statistic that came out of San Francisco, there were 600, what was it? 690 something overdose deaths, something like that. And 235 COVID deaths. Right. So again, that's just information, but that is, that is real information. Right. So, um, Bringing it back in. Bringing it back. Bringing it back I in. Told, I told Calla before this episode, I will start running hot. Yeah. I will start running hot. So he might have to cool me down from time to time. <laughs> I'm just very passionate about this because I do know I've witnessed firsthand the mental health impact on this. Yeah. Or of this. So then let's let's build on that with the things that we've seen um, just coming back out of, like I, I guess, essentially quarantine. With that mental health side. Yeah. Talking so about with the virtual workouts, moving into the early days of that yep. to now. So 
gave you some statistics on mental health from 2020. Now, this is where we kind of correlate this with mine and Michael's anecdotal experiences with the people that we interact with every day. And again, we explain to you how many people we do interact. (laughs) How many interactions we have in a a year. Yep. Uh, So, you know, initially COVID happened. um, People were initially okay with the virtual workouts. Um, In the, in the early days, it was not uncommon for us to have 40, like 30 to 40 uh, virtual workout attendees with no music. With no, oh yeah, we were doing no music. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying to figure out our audio setup. I forgot about that. Uh, those are interesting <laughs> times. Um, but yeah, so we would have 30 to 40 people. And I think at that time, there was an understanding that what we were going through, while it wasn't ideal, was going to be short-lived. You know, at that time, there was a, it, initially it was like two-week quarantine. And it moved to thought. two months. And even at two months, people were like, all right, Sucks, but like it's just another. It's for the greater days. good, and we we got to get and that too, yeah. yeah. Um, but then after the two months expired, and it became clear that this was going to be a lot longer than anticipated. That's when people started to drop off. Yeah, right. And even during, I guess I'll back up a second. Even during the the two months where people were okay with it, we would kind of pull people on like, "How are you doing?" You know, and a lot of people would express, I don't really know how I feel. I'm kind of lost right now. To be honest, they would say my routine has been completely shaken up. There's a lot of uncertainty. I'm worried. Um, It's hard to get motivated to even do anything. Hard to get motivated. Yeah. You know, and that continued, I would say, for the the entire time that we did virtual workouts. Mm -hmm. But then what we also started to observe we started to observe that the people that continued to do the virtual workouts with us and then also those that would pop in from time to time started to observe a few things. They started to report feeling depressed and or anxious. Like I said, people felt like they were feeling lost or unsure about the future. Yep. Lonely. A lot of people said they were lonely. There were some people that like didn't have a roommate or anything. So they were seeing nobody, right? And then additionally, and this does tie into mental health as well, but like people started to gain weight. Yeah. Like I started to hear from people that, you know, because they're demotivated, because they're also moving less generally because they're not commuting to the office, they were just starting to gain weight. I mean, it's, it to- makes total sense. Like you go from doing enough activity to burn, I don't know how many calories in a day, whatever. It doesn't really matter the yeah. number, but you're walking to work. You're then walking at work, going from meetings to meetings, rooms to rooms, interacting with your employees. Maybe all that is gone. On the way at home. Uh, then you go to the gym. You walk to the gym or you bike or you scoot or whatever. Then you walk to the grocery store, right? All of that was taken away in a second. And what we're then left with is you literally wake up, roll out of your bed, go to your computer, work. Then maybe you do a virtual workout. And this was another funny thing that we experienced is there were many times where we were doing virtual workouts and people were for sure still also working at the same time. Yeah. So then you got to wonder the the quality of that experience, right? You're half working out. You're half checking work emails. I'm sorry. You're not going to get anything out of that. There's no boundaries there. 
right. to separate between what you're doing or what you need to get done in that specific time as well. Yes. Um, the other thing I noticed too was like some people don't have a setup. Some people are doing things in like small spaces and it makes it even tougher for you to stay motivated to continue on with those workouts was the other thing I've noticed. Absolutely. Some people just don't have the space or don't have the equipment. Yeah. I mean, there are people working out in closets. Yeah. Gudri, what's up? Oh, Gudri right. persisted though. I will say she did very proud of her for doing that, but she would work out in a closet every day. Like it sounds terrible, you know? And, and I saw other people working out in kitchens mm-hmm. and like in their bedroom, like Stephanie's knock. Good job, Stephanie. Good job. I mean, she would work out in her bedroom, like right next to her bed, but that sounds rough. Like yeah. that sounds very rough. Um, and it's hard to get into the right state of mind, uh, you know, to get, to get the, the output that you, that you seek in a training experience, both physically and mentally. I mean, and that goes back to your weight gain because maybe your goals have changed now. Yes. Yeah. You're working nonstop. Yeah. You're at home. Right. What else are you going to say? Oh, I'm, bit, I've, I'm, gonna be out of town well, you can't go out of town anywhere. yeah no you're not <laughs> no you're I know right where you are <laughs> yeah which is a whole nother problem so i was seeing this happen as there was also a better understanding of the impact of COVID on individuals that contract it right and and one thing that became clear is that people with comorbidities fare much worse so then that makes me concerned for our people right because they're becoming less healthy and then at some point in the future they're going to be going back into the office. Well, the, the world, right? In which that virus still remains. Mm-hmm. Whole nother topic, but just that's, that's something that that made me think of when that was happening. That um, so anyways, we continued the virtual workouts until the fall when we were able to reopen again. Um, the first thing that people expressed was the joy of just going somewhere. Yeah. They're like, this is great. I get to just go somewhere for an hour, yeah. you know, and the impact of that on their mental health, while small at the beginning, was very significant because those people went from being inside all day and again in a tiny apartment here in San Francisco to actually having something to look forward to. They're like, I know that I now get to bike to the studio every day at, you know, whatever time and get my workout in and yeah. see some people and talk to Thomas and Michael and you know, and all that stuff. And so the level of uh, gratitude and joy that people expressed was, I mean. It was a lot. Yeah. Like it was, it was kind of shocking and not like I know that our people are very grateful for what we provide, but it's just that I didn't expect it to be that impactful. Yeah. And so that's, again, what really made me think like, wow, like people, I've always thought people needed the services that we provide, but even more so. It's like people need these services again the physical thing is one thing like that doesn't even kind of matter at this point no it's like the mental health impact that they get from experiencing what we provide yeah you you just think of like just having i know they called it like zoom fatigue because you're oh yeah on the computer for maybe some people it's like 10 20 hours yeah per day per, per day yeah which is crazy to think about that you're just being here you're living your life out of this small little screen mm-hmm. and then now with everything being you get open, to see a 3d person you you get like to, a real human you can actually touch well i mean i don't know if you could touch shoulders on there but <laughs> you can shake someone's hand maybe we can touch shoulders yeah yeah um 
Yeah. So that, uh, I mean, it, it was like, crazy. How nice the was shift, that? the shift that I saw in a lot of people at that moment. Even in your, how about yourself? Like, just oh, huge, huge. Seeing, I someone. was very depressed um, doing just virtual workouts. There's no question about that. I was not in a good place. Mm-hmm. So, the second that we got to do that, like, I mean, I was immediately much happier. Um, even with all the restrictions that we still had, you yeah. know, we had to distance a bunch we had to have the masks and everything, but right. like even, even like that incremental change was, was felt very good. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, they had something to look forward to, um, and instead of doing their, their workout at home in the living room, cl- kitchen, closet, bedroom, hallway, wherever they did it. Uh, then they had interactions with other people and, and, this was a, another interesting point of observation. People were slow to interact, which yes. is uncommon for our community. Could be a, for a couple of reasons. I think people started going to times that um, they wouldn't normally wouldn't go normally to. Because so their, their work schedule, yeah, their work schedule is completely changed. So they maybe started seeing people that they didn't normally see pre, like pre-COVID. And so they didn't know them, right? But at the same time, and we'll touch more on this in a moment, <clears throat> they were wearing masks. So, you know, that it's become very clear to us through our experiences that that is a huge deterrent in terms of socializing. Another boundary. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we continued that for quite some time, even had the fun experience of, of uh, kind of being like a 1920s bar. <laughs> now I'm saying, right? If you know, you know. You get that joke. <laughs> um, then on June 15th, we were able to take masks off, and this is where it got very interesting. Very. Like, the day that they came off, there was a complete 180-degree switch in how people interacted. It was like a relief. It was a relief for sure, and but then, like, just again, from the observational side, me and Michael both talked about because we, we coached different classes, so we touched base after the first couple days, and you know, just, Oh, how's it been going without the mass? And like, and you know, initially people obviously like loved it and Mm -hmm. enjoyed it. And, um, but then we both said, what's fascinating is how much more friendly people are way more friendly, way more friendly. Like people that had never talked before started talking to each other and started initiating conversations (laughs) with people. And just like, there's just big new people with, you know, there's bigger smiles. Like, yeah, I you, mean, you could read body cues and just understand like, oh, we're cues. actually really liking this interaction. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so that that was like a very interesting thing. And and what it what it showed is the impact, again, of the mask. And again, all this to say, we're, we're not saying one way or the other how things should be. But just understand that there is an impact to that. Right. And I still experience that now if I am, you know, come across someone that is wearing a mask, that's totally fine. That's their choice. But I have no idea what their intentions are. Mm-hmm. If they want to say hi, if they want to be friendly, um, it's just a reality of the situation. Right. That's all I'm, it is. I'm not it's just an observation that, of yeah, what we've, we've experienced. not saying that it should be one way or the other, but it's a real fact. Yeah. Right. And so our experience in the gym, having that sample of people and seeing that happen Again, it was very, very like anyone observing the class would have been like Whoa. between 
mass day and no mass day would have been like, <laughs> holy shit, this is an entirely different thing. So, and then it just juices you up as well. Yeah, too. and then for me too, again, like, like we were us. able to do our jobs better, to be honest, I because was... we could actually see, like, little side note, people are very hesitant to tell you what they're actually feeling. Like people don't want to tell you as a coach that like this doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. And so they'll kind of like pass things, pass things off or brush things off when in reality their face might say, I'm not enjoying this experience or whatever it may be. And that's where we can come in and say, Hey, like it, it looks like, it looks like something's not feeling right. Like what do we need to change? Yeah. Whereas like, again, with the mask, like I might have no idea because guess what? People's eyes don't change very much. No. Shocker. <laughs> but uh, so being able to read the entire face is important. And then, you know, I kind of said to Michael at one point, like extrapolate that out into the rest of society. Yeah. So that just means that all of society was having that same experience. We often talk about how the gym is kind of a, it's interesting. It's kind of like a little sample of society mm. and we get to see how people interact and and oftentimes we can extrapolate that out into the rest of the world and oftentimes it's very true yeah you know when we see influxes of people that seems to be that more people are moving to the city you know and when we see people leave that seems to be that people are leaving the city and it's it's just a very it's a very equal comparison it's a great representation of what we can expect yeah. as well yeah so you know that was just uh, uh, an interesting, interesting thing to observe when that happened. So now, how does this tie into training and fitness to kind of wrap up all of this training, fitness, and and health? Really, um, the bottom line, the easiest way to put this is, it impacts it in so many ways. Not it, just the, the physical. The side. level of connectedness yeah. between. All of this, the social, the mental, the physical is, I mean, it's, it's all incredibly interconnected and Insur insurmountable and all, and obviously we're, ours is going to be a little bit more, I don't know if it's going to be obviously, but we work in a great setting where we can connect people and have a community. Yes. So, yeah. So that is the, the premise of project 13 gyms is that like bringing good people together is incredibly powerful yeah so and and a lot of gyms say they have community but i i mean i've just heard as people come into you know the facility i hear a lot of people say like you know i've never experienced a community like this yeah. that's so inclusive welcoming and you know made up of so many diverse people with back different backgrounds and different interests and that's what makes the community so great and those people interacting is what makes project 13 what it is yeah so there's the impact of of physicality on mental health right so we talked about the output that you get between training at home and training in the gym mm -hmm. so the better the physical experience the the better the impact on mental health so to provide a, an example and this just happened recently like we do uh you know interval workouts on Wednesdays usually and one thing I'll always say to people is the last set needs to be your best set of the day and what's interesting is a lot of people 
right before that say, I can't go any faster. Yeah. And then when I say that and I tell them, look, you got this, right? Like you just got to start strong. And then at that point, it's just a matter of how bad you want it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, almost everybody surpasses their best round of the day. Yes. Um, so that is something that you can't, it's very hard to do that virtually, right? Like very, how do you, how do you say there, there's just so many elements of being in person where when you say that in person and I'm right there, yep. like, you know that I'm right there, I'm standing behind you and being like, you need to get this number. I mean, you can't really do that virtually. Um, can't cheat the system when you're in person. No, especially not with us at our not place. Cause, <laughs> cause then also too, you see that person right next to you going just as hard. Yeah. Right. You don't want to sandbag it next to that person. No. I mean, cause why should you not have to work as hard as them? Right. And that's what it's all about. That's part of the being part of the community. Yeah. Um, so I can also say based on our observations that we talked about working at at home is not the most efficient form of training. There's just, I mean, the environment, the impact of the environment on environment on you, it, you just can't, you know, when you walk into, um, the space at project 13, it's got brick walls, <clears throat> excuse me. It's got brick walls. It's got the rig it has the weights. It has a certain smell to it. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm at a gym. It's time to train. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere that's not my house. And then simultaneously or at the same time, like we mentioned earlier, people could be like have the TV on at home, checking emails, I was gonna say bickering with their partner, trying to cook dinner. Yeah. Like we've seen all that. We've seen all that happen. <laughs> and so how are you then supposed to get a high level of output when you're dealing with that other I mean, at the end of the day, it's noise. Yeah. You're dealing with that other noise. I was going to say, there's more opportunity to gain focus than there is to get distracted when you're somewhere else. Because, yes, for the most part, I should say, not yeah. maybe not every situation, but especially more so our situations here. Because, A, it's so hard to create your own gym here in San Francisco, too. For sure. Now, maybe somewhere else, it may be different, but again, we don't have that information to, to delve out. We are just basically this offered experience and knowing that you're when you're at the gym it's a you have you you have actually no other choice but to change your mindset to get in there yeah absolutely i mean there's plenty of people that have shown up and said not really feeling it today and then they warm up chat a bit with their friend and they're like Mm. i feel great let's do this all right yeah then there's the impact of group training so project 13 like i said is founded on the idea that like-minded individuals working side by side brings something special out of people this cannot i will say and repeat this this cannot be replicated virtually i'm not saying that you can't get close virtually but you absolutely 100 cannot replicate one-to-one the experience that you get in, in person, person in the virtual world you just can't i don't care who you are or how good you are at virtual you can't like period. Um, you having a genuine conversation with someone in your class or like before or after a session, learning about who they are, you can't do that on Zoom. No. And I going back to our conversation with Eric on the human element, he's like he's talking about like the magic of 
Yeah, that's where it you, happens. You finish a workout mm-hmm. at the gym. You're at the gym, you finish the workout, and then you have another conversation with someone outside of that gym, talking about things that are outside of Completely the gym. Completely unrelated to the gym. Unrelated. Yeah. And but just having that, that connection. Yeah. And where that's, where, you, that's where the relationships are built. Yeah. Because when we're done with the workout virtually, you cut it off. Bye-bye. You're done. Click of a button. Yeah. Gone. You can share information with someone, but how often does that follow through into something? Hardly ever in yeah. my experience. Um, then there's the coaching element, right? Which is something else that we feel we provide to a high level. Uh, people reference like, uh, the Peloton community, um, and how instructors like call people out by name and, you know, whatever by their handle or whatever. Uh, but tell me this, does your Peloton instructor know what you do for work? Do they know any injuries that you have? Are they able to provide you with specific cool-down work, like flexibility or mobility, based on your specific needs? I think no. No. <laughs> I know that. Um, I would be shocked if they're willing to spend an extra five minutes with you helping out, yeah. helping you out with your bum ankle or your bum knee or whatever it is. They have, like, there's probably 40 people on that same screen with you. I mean, I think way more than that. Yeah, probably. Way more. Like, Yeah. Uh, and then our ability to provide specific real-time feedback based on what our eyeballs see and what someone's body is doing is unmatched on any virtual environment. There's no question about that. No question. Um, if you disagree with that, I think you're wrong or you're lying. Mm. You can, uh, come at me on that one. After Not the you. Pod I mean, Halo. just, yeah, I, after the pod, shoot me some stuff. What's up? And then other things and thoughts. I've come to realize as a coach that at the end of the day, some people just need to come into a place and have a good time. Yeah. Like outside of the workout, if someone comes in and they're experiencing severe depression, severe anxiety, or even God forbid suicidal ideation, if they come in and, you know, and their interaction with me or a community member or something changes the course of their experience with what they're dealing with in a positive way. That's it. Like I couldn't do my job any better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Forget the rest of the workout. Forget the rest of the workout. It doesn't (laughs) matter. It doesn't matter. Like at the end of the day, what it, what it is about is, is bringing these people together, making them feel good about themselves and feel like they belong to something. Right? Like that's, Again, if I if I change someone's course for the positive in that way, that's much more rewarding than you know helping someone hitting someone a thousand hit, yeah, pound club. A, yeah, Jackson, what's up? <laughs> You'll get there, buddy. <laughs> Don't worry, you're you're um, on your way. You know that's that's much more worth it in my opinion. So that's just kind of another thought, you know. And then to wrap all this up, that article that my father sent me. One thing that was mentioned in there the founder of a very prominent digital fitness company, I'm not going to say which one, claims that gyms are a broken model of yesteryear mm. and digital home at fitness will become dominant, much like streaming services have changed movie watching. Mm. Got some issues with that. First one, comparing going to a movie to going to a gym, I'm going to be honest, makes that person sound very foolish. And like they lack understanding. Going to a movie is a very passive experience. You go there and you sit there. Yeah. 
in a chair that's probably covered in gum, right? And you eat some and swass and swass, and you eat some shitty popcorn. Maybe the seat's broken. You know who knows? Yeah. Um, but it's very passive. You're not going to talk to anyone there, and in fact, you're discouraged to talk to and, and, and interact with people because it's going to ruin the movie watching experience. <laughs> you're going to ruin other people's experiences. Yeah. So whereas going, going to, to a gym, gym is a very active and engaged experience, especially when you come into our gym, because we will encourage you to be more connected with other people, but also more connected with your body and yourself. Yeah. And that, again, that coaching that we provide, you can't really replicate that on your own for most people because they just don't have the understanding, yeah. right? That's why they seek out a coach in fitness because they don't have the understanding of health and fitness and how to program for themselves and how to find what they need to feel when they're doing a squat, right? Like that is what we provide and that's very engaged, very active. So again, completely different than a movie, going to a movie. And another way to put it, a movie between going to a movie and Netflix, there, there's really no difference in outcome. You you watch the movie and you, you learn what it's about. A perspective on it. You and hear a- the story. That's no different whether you go to a movie theater and watch it or if you watch it at home on Netflix, right? Whereas the outcome between working out at home and working out in a fitness, in a, in a gym, especially a gym like ours, is dramatically different. And we have already seen that. Yeah. There's tons of members that have made a ton of progress since we've been open because of the environment, the access to equipment, the coaching, the programming. I mean, the list goes on and on. The, the community. The community is being the- pushed by others. There's there's a guy. Creating connections in that community too. Yeah. And to, to list a few accomplishments, there's been people that have lost weight. Yeah. There's been people that have Jackson. gained more muscle. Jackson. There are a member of ours, Ryan, said his 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 butt is getting bigger. <laughs> his pants don't fit. His pa- he's got to get some pants let out <laughs> in a good way. In a good Waist way. Waist hasn't changed. Butt's bigger. We all want the big booty, right? Yeah. Um. There's another member, B-Waj. What's up, B-Waj? Gained 12 pounds. And... Hey you know, in a very healthy way, healthy 12. So, I mean, the outcome is just so much different. Uh, then also in that article, you know, this is kind of the counter of that argument. There's, there's a a CEO of a health club that they interviewed that said they've seen data that show people want to stay active, but also more importantly, highly value the interaction with others. Wow. What a shock. So here's the bottom line. At-home fitness will no question continue to grow, right? That's that's, that's to normal. be expected. Uh, it was happening anyways. Yeah. I think COVID just gave it another leap forward. Gave it its kick in the pants a little bit. But there's forward. no way that when the dust settles with all this, gyms are going to die out. Because I can tell you this, aside from all the stuff that we mentioned, one thing that is very real in life is FOMO. Yeah. So once people see, as we continue to share content, and see, people see how much fun and how much progress people their are friends are making, um, they're going to want to do that too. And if you don't, that means fear of missing out. Yes, thank you for the translation. Um, you don't want to miss out on your gains. No. Miss out on we your all health. We all want to make gains. And we all want to make friends. Make friends. Yeah. So 
You're missing out of everything. That's the bottom line. And additionally, the last thing I'll say, I think that we have yet to fully understand the social impact of our decision to push this remote way of living. Yeah. But initially, it does not seem to be healthy for us and our basic human needs. And with that, think about that and avoid the bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five-star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. So absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan, that is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y-B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.